Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is episode 42 of The Place of Sound. This episode is the third in a three-part retrospective listen to some of the work that aired on The Place of Sound in 2022. The first episode in this series, episode 40, explored the audio portrait. We learned a little bit about how audio portraits are produced while listening back to six distinct projects. We did the same in part two, or episode 41, which focused on the soundscape composition. And in that episode, we listened back to five different projects. In this, the third and final episode, we'll explore a documentary-style approach to storytelling. Because this is a much longer form of audio production, we have the time to listen to only three projects. The first is titled A Letter From Me To You by Emma Poole. Written and spoken as a letter to her younger self, the piece aims to reassure a younger Emma about the confusion and fear she once felt as an adolescent growing into her identity. The second project is titled Ikigai by Morgan Jones, which explores the idea of joy, purpose, and aspiration. In particular, Morgan takes a close look at the places she's been and investigates how they're brought to bear on her aims and who she is today. And the final piece is titled Begin Again, by Sophie Doyle, which is another deeply personal project. Sophie reflects on some of the challenges she faced growing up and how they were never far off, even though she aimed to forge her own path in a new city and a new province when beginning university. So let's begin with Emma's project, a letter from me to you. Emma, over to you. All right, okay, here it is, my final project for this class. This project was most personal and unexpectedly therapeutic for me. I didn't know that it would feel so good to not only get all these things off my chest, but also to express them creatively and have it turn out in a way that closely portrayed how it felt to experience. I hope this letter finds those who may need to hear a story that doesn't end in tragedy, but rather is a reminder that life gets better, you will get through it, and you will look back and be so proud. Until then, take your time. There is no rush. Just know you're never alone. I hope you enjoy. I remember being in high school, laying in bed every single night until I fell asleep, thinking, worrying, waiting, and praying. I was never really religious, but it felt like my best shot at getting something I wanted so desperately. A boy. Just one boy to show me that I was wrong and perhaps make me change my mind and to take away the confusion and fear. In this fantasy of mine, this boy and I would fall in love and live happily ever after, and I could stop worrying and be able to tell myself, I'm not gay after all. And I know you understand, you're the one living it. I've probably written this letter at least 30 times in the last few days. There's so much that I know you need to hear and so little time to say it. Middle school was when I realized there was something somewhat different about me. 
something that made me different from the other girls, but between the overstimulating atmosphere of elementary school, sports, and friends, I can confidently say that it was the last thing on my little mind. You see, I loved boys. Dare I say I lived for boys. We would play sports, film silly YouTube videos, and often interrupt multiple classes. Probably just me wanting attention because my jokes were the only way that girls would notice me. But there was a brotherhood I felt towards them. In no way did I find myself wanting to spend all my time with them, date them, or share a life with them. In eighth grade, I had my first real crush on my best friend. She was the reason I began to feel excited to go to school and the reason why watching her simply exist felt like breathtaking perfection. You see, at this time, I was aware of it. I knew that these feelings I felt towards girls was more than admiration, different than envy, and almost exactly like a crush. And although only one of us has ever said it out loud, I know it's the only thing you're thinking about. this whole idea of what your life is going to be. So to your parents, I mean, everyone thinks they know who you are and you're so scared you're going to disappoint them, that you're going to lose them. But soon you'll realize that it's better to surround yourself with people that love you for you, rather than faking a part of yourself to please the wrong people. If there's one thing that I have forever stood by, it is that everyone deserves love. This is something that I wish I knew as that prepubescent class clown who decided their sole purpose on this earth was to make the pretty girls laugh, and that would be good enough. Well, that proved to be a reasonable coping mechanism in middle school. I forgot to consider that high school would bring forth a whole new set of challenges. This little secret of mine was the reason I felt sick when going to my friend's house for sleepovers, and the reason I held back tears when my friends would go on dates with boys that I couldn't compete with. As much as I expected that heartbreak, I just accepted the burden and it would be something I would have to deal with because I never thought that I would be the one to get the girl. I know it's scary to feel so out of control for such a huge part of your life. I know that you never think you'd fall in love and I know that the world feels so big and you feel completely alone. I know you'd give absolutely anything to change this. I know you're hurting. I want you to know good things are coming for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll schedule the next couple of minutes or so. Flight time will be 9 hours and 40 minutes for the minute you reach a cruising altitude of 35,000 feet. When I was 16 years old, I decided to leave my worries behind for a bit and travel with some friends on a school trip to Greece and Italy let life take the wheel for a while. I wasn't expecting this trip would be my blossoming into my uh, full gayhood, but alas, life is funny that way. 
See, as much as the anxieties and the sleepless nights felt like I was breaking my own heart over and over again, and I would wish with every fiber of my being that a boy would come rescue me from my paralyzing confusion, what I found instead was a girl. And I realized that was what my heart was really asking for this whole time. And although it was still hard and still very scary, having that person there with you to remind you that everything is okay and you're exactly where you need to be made it a whole lot easier. I traveled halfway across the world only to find that the girl I was about to fall head over heels for was the same girl who sat a few rows ahead of me in history class. In the blink of an eye, I fell completely in love with this girl, and for the first time ever, it felt like my heart was on fire. And although our three-year relationship ultimately reached its end, it was an important stage in my life, and I have nothing but love for that moment and the ways it prepared me for the moments ahead. See, I know you're anxious for this change, and I want you to know that it's okay to worry about the uncertainties that lie ahead. Don't be scared. I want to say thank you, and I love you, to little me and little you, or maybe even you right now. You deserve to fall in love, and not to spoil the surprise, but you're going to. And although it sucks to not have this path paid for you, I promise it'll all be worth it. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, my name is Morgan Jones. I'm a fourth year student at Carleton University in the Communications and Media Studies Honors Program. So for this audio documentary, I explored the journey from my hometown to Ottawa and all the way to present day, and with that, how my identity and values have grown and been shaped along the way. Check it out. Here I am, pouring myself a cup of coffee beside the Christmas tree in the living room of my student home in Ottawa, approaching the end of my undergraduate career, working on writing my applications for graduate studies, just trying to figure out where I'm going in life and what my next step is. But if I'm going to explain to you how I got here and became the person that I am, I suppose it would be best to start at the day that my whole life changed. It was grade 12. Graduation was approaching. I sat and watched everyone around me talking about the schools they always dreamt of going to and the professions they always knew they would end up in. I was faced with the pressure, anxiety, and panic associated with coming face-to-face with the biggest decision of my life so far. The worst nightmare for an indecisive and overly chatty 17-year-old who would tell you that they wanted to be a marine biologist and a cartoonist in the same breath and who was armed with nothing but the desire to escape their small town. I searched through lists of every program offered at each Canadian university and took a mystifying amount of what should I major in quizzes. 
I was stuck, sitting, wondering, questioning, what's next? Where do I want to go? Who do I want to be? Who am I? A few dozen Google searches later, I noticed a trend. Each career and life coach type style website said the same thing. To find your next act and your passion, look back to your childhood. I felt this to be a rather useless suggestion given how I was still considered a child myself, but nonetheless, I was in no position to turn down any advice. So, here we go. I grew up in Georgetown, a small city just west of the GTA, a traditional brick house on a cul-de-sac near the golf course. Contrasted against the nearly eerie silence of Cinderbark Terrace stood the inside of my family home. Filled with the sounds of my dad's favorite easy-listening playlist, the gentle conversations that take place in the kitchen as we cook our dinners, and the bursts of deep, hearty laughter that carry through the whole house. To describe this place as anything less than filled with love and warmth would be wildly inaccurate. I grew up with the constant and unconditional support of my parents, even when, looking back at the photos from my half-mullet, half-bowl-cut hair phase, I wish they hadn't. My parents accepted me for exactly who I am without hesitation. They taught me the importance of hard work and passion, always pushing me to be the best person that I can be. I was encouraged to follow my ambitions and, most importantly, to be kind to others. I grew up watching my parents do everything in their power to support those around them. This is what encouraged me to do the same. At 14 years old, I decided to follow in my parents' footsteps. I started volunteering as a coach with Georgetown's Special Olympics track and field team. Working with that group was, and remains, one of the most valuable experiences of my life. I got to spend every Wednesday night over at the track of my old high school, running laps with the athletes and watching their faces light up as they would sprint past the crowd of parents cheering in the bleachers. Being part of and surrounded by such a positive, uplifting, and encouraging environment taught me the power of inclusivity and advocacy. And so as far as that reflective exercise goes, this was it. This was who I am. And it was thinking back on all of those nights I spent standing on that old track where I truly found my passion in life. To give back and to find purpose through helping others. After countless more hours spent sitting with my parents, reminiscing on my childhood, and my clear desire to help others, it hit me. Communications. I could get a degree that would allow me to harness my outspokenness and put it towards making real change for those around me. And what better way to escape the constraints of a small town than by living it up in the capital city? So there I was standing in the driveway of my childhood home one September morning three years ago, beside a car full of my hopes and dreams and a few garbage bags full of clothes, headed for Carleton University, feeling nervous to leave the comfort of Georgetown, but filled with anticipation, ready to take on the world.
A few days later, I found myself standing outside of the lecture hall in Minto building, anxiously waiting for my first introduction to human rights lecture to begin. I was there 20 minutes ahead of schedule, of course, because my dad always told me that early is on time and on time is late. There were crowds surrounding me, people pushing by, rushing to class, or making their way back home. I was surrounded by chaos. I had never felt the feeling of being so lost and small while watching so much happen around me. The class before me finally filed out. I made my way into the lecture hall and up the stairs. I kept my head down, sat in the chair closest to the back of the room, took a deep breath, and pulled out my laptop. I had no idea what to expect. It wasn't long into that class that I realized first that lecture hall seats are incredibly uncomfortable, and second, that I truly did have no passion greater than for equality and advocacy. As the semester went on and I continued on my academic journey, I realized that this large, outdated, and stale-smelling room was so much more than just a place that I went to frantically take notes as I tried to keep up with the speed at which the PowerPoint moved and the professor spoke, because honestly, that's just impossible. But rather, this one spot on Carleton's campus came to symbolize opportunity and growth. It was within the four walls of this lecture hall that I was given the space to learn, grow, and most of all, to explore this burning desire of mine to help others. Here, I began to see the possibility of translating this from not just an interest, but to a career, a lifelong mission. Over the next few years at Carleton, I spent countless hours sitting in my room, working away at my degree. I took communications courses that were tailored towards social justice and equity issues. I finished my seventh season with Special Olympics, got a job as a facilitator for a federal research project supporting students with intellectual disabilities, and I'm even writing my honors thesis paper on digital and social inequalities during the COVID-19 pandemic. Ottawa. Though I do miss living within the comforting walls of my childhood home, is where I feel I belong most. I have learned that there is something much bigger than me here, and I've even come to embrace the feeling of being so small as I stand amongst the bustling crowds on campus or out in the city while I watch everything happen around me. Ottawa is the place where I have gotten to see this desire of mine to support others become a concrete and tangible item. I can see the work that I am doing and the effect or potential that it has to help better the worlds of those around me. It is a place of wonder, imagination, and opportunity. It's shown me that no dream is too big and that I really do have the power to be anything that I want to be. And so now here I am again, sipping on my cup of coffee beside the Christmas tree in the living room of my student home in Ottawa, approaching the end of my undergraduate career working on writing my applications for graduate studies. I still have no idea what my dream profession is, but unlike the feeling of graduating high school, as this chapter comes to a close, there is no feelings of fear or uncertainty, because I know that no matter where I end up, be it back in Georgetown, here in Ottawa, or a new city altogether, I will always have my family behind me, and that no matter what happens, I am going to continue on my mission of growth and devoting my life to giving back to those around me. Can we ever really start over? 
This audio documentary explores why I chose to move to Ottawa and what it meant for me at the time. I used Ottawa to cope with my trauma, but the way I used the city didn't heal me. This piece aims to show how getting a fresh start doesn't mean you get to leave your past behind. I'm too nervous. Can you do it? Okay. Dear Sophie, we are pleased to welcome you to the Bachelor of Communications and Media Studies at Carleton University. Enclose our details regarding your offer of admission. A fresh start. It's an opportunity to begin again. I chose to move to Ottawa because there was a chance to leave my past behind. I knew nobody there. I had never even visited the city before, but I knew it wasn't home. And that's all the motivation that I needed. I packed up my life and left in late summer. A part of me hoped that I would never have to come back. My childhood had been littered with trauma and I never got to have a traditional upbringing. A part of me resented my inability to just be a child. Moving to Ottawa meant I could try and forget my history. I just assumed it would fade into the background. This is a final morning call for flight 17 as it sounds, my goal became having the average university experience. I was chasing the little things. I wanted to be careless, to make mistakes, to have fun, to do everything I had not been afforded to do growing up. It seemed like my shot at a do-over. What I failed to realize was a fresh start does not mean the past will not follow you. Your call has been forwarded to the automatic voice messaging system. Help the tone, please record your message. Hey girl, um, if you are still interested in going out, I'm going to be hosting the pre at my place at 8. Uh, we'll probably just go to the local or something if that works for you. Bye!
I got to Ottawa, I put on a persona of what I thought the trauma-free version of myself might be. I spent my nights at shitty dive bars, drinking sugary drinks. I would shotgun beers, and at the end of the night, would drunkenly eat pizza on the street. harder than expected. I would go out to keep myself busy, because if I was busy, I didn't have to think about my old life. running away from anything. I was just putting off face in my trauma. Regardless, whenever I felt like the past was catching up, I found a new distraction. At some point, however, last call will sneak up on you. The party will end, and you have to go home. So this COVID stuff's getting pretty serious, huh? Yeah, I just don't want to get stuck here. So what are you going to do? I think I have to go home. to Halifax within the week. I was right back where I started, surrounded by the same people who traumatized me, the same locations I hope to never see again. But I felt different. After two years of running, I realized my history was not something I could escape. It was going to follow me. The only thing you can do is learn to cope. That year, I completely overhauled my life. I cut out all the toxic people from my life. I stopped drinking so heavy. I got a therapist, and I started actively working towards where I wanted to be in the future. I am now the happiest I have ever been. And despite having plenty of work ahead, my past doesn't seem like it's chasing me anymore. Ottawa was a place I tried to lose myself. But sometimes I think you need to get a little lost to figure out where you're supposed to be headed.
Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of The Place of Sound. But before I sign off, a couple of quick notes. A reminder that what we've listened to here in this episode is only a fraction of the work produced in association with this project. If you're interested in checking out more, have a look at theplaceofsound.ca, where you're not only able to hear more audio media, but in some cases, to see some of the original photos and the writing that students produce to go along with it. There's also a featured work section on the site's blog where you can access some notable individual projects. And in the classes section, you can have a look at some of the work produced in each of the previous semesters. And lastly, under the listen link, you're able to access the show's archive and listen back to any episode of the show that you'd like to hear. But in the meantime, keep your ear out for upcoming episodes of the show which air on CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6.30 p.m. and are available wherever you get your podcasts.